Hello and welcome to the latest installment of the Superhero Finder podcast. As always, I'm Matt Wilson, the Superhero Finder, and I'm scouring the cosmos looking for Earth's unsung heroes and looking for those people to sell some inspirational stories. Um, and hopefully there's something you can take away from this as well. Now, today I'm joined by the magnificent Karen Cruz. How are you, Karen? Hello, Matt. I am really good. I'm a little bit warm, but I'm good. It's very warm today. We were just saying that as well. We've both got fans on. So yeah. we've, uh, we haven't got air conditioning, but we'll get through. It'll be absolutely fine. And yeah, fun talking about some stuff. So, Karen, could you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Because there's an absolute reason why you're on today. Is there? Yes, there is. And you're going to tell us a little bit about yourself and maybe it'll become clear. Um, let me see, where shall I start? So let me start with when I was at school, I'm talking eons ago, Matt. Forty years ago, when I was at school, is it 40? I think it is. <laughs> um, I, was so. of, I was one of those kids that got um, completely written off at school, <clears throat> told I wasn't clever enough. As a consequence, I left school with no qualifications whatsoever. And um, fortunately, I fell into um, my background in social housing. So I spent 30 years in, in the corporate world in social housing. But what I had, when I look back now, I didn't realise at the time, because then mentoring and coaching wouldn't really think. But I realise now that my bosses and my chief exec in particular really mentored me to be my absolute best. So pushed me to go for different jobs. Yeah. Got me going back to college, which I was like, boss, I can't, I can't go to college because they told me at school I'm not clever. And like, no, you're going to go back to college. And then I got promoted. And when I got to a certain level, he was like, at this level, Karen, you really need to get a degree. I'm like, boss, I'm from Chapel Town in Leeds. I'm not going to, and I've left school with nothing. There's no way I can go to uni. Nobody in my family's gone to uni. It's like, we need you to go to university. Anyway, I went and I got my bachelor's degree and I was like, woohoo. And then the interesting thing was when I got that, I started to question myself and I thought, if I can get a bachelor's degree at uni, surely I can sit my GCSEs. I mean, surely. Um, and I always, I always wanted to teach. So I thought, I want to get my GCSEs just in case. Yeah. So 52 years old, I toddle off to Leeds City College, enroll on a, on a GCSE course, maths, English, and all the sciences. Nine months from start to finish, absolutely smashed them. Nice. Reliving all those fond memories that I have from a while back, and I'm sure you did as well. But so how did that feel then, kind of going through that stuff and, and you know, at such a non-normal school age? Well, it was weird because, well, the, the first thing was, I thought, I really couldn't do this. And I could have done this years and years and years ago, right? Um, but it was interesting because whilst I was in class, I was in class with 16 and 17-year-olds who didn't want to be there. Yeah. And I was on a mission. So they'd be there being a little bit disruptive. And I'd be like, whoa, to lecturer, just a second. And I'd speak to it back at class. I'd be like, listen. If you don't want to learn, you kind of need to leave because I, I, I want to learn and I'm like proper on a mission. So they just thought I was like a boring old fossil. But the lecturers, <laughs> the lecturers loved me because I was like only one in class that were like, yeah, I'm taking that in. Yeah, 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 that's good. Yeah, yeah. So I was really, you know, really concentrating on work. So it was a bit weird. But, you know, when you go back to college, when I say this to the children now that we work with, one of the best feelings is when you open that envelope and you see that you've passed or you've done your absolute best yeah. in all your GCSEs, it's like a wonderful feeling. So yeah, it was it was hard, I won't lie, but it was one of the 
best things I did and a real challenge. I went public on Facebook and everything, so everyone knew what I was doing. Absolutely. Um, so I couldn't, I couldn't like cop, cop out of it. But yeah, it was good. I'm very proper proud of myself. Did yeah. you have any, um, and absolutely you should be, did you have any, obviously you've put it up on Facebook and social media can be positive. It can also be, you know, it can also bring out the worst in people. Did you have anyone that, that doubted you or, you know, ribbed you for doing GCSEs at kind of the age you are and not school age? Or did you just, do you, was it just your tribe that commented? Well, I'm a bit funny with my social media. With Facebook, I have my friends on it. Yeah. So I don't have any and anybody. And I've learned a while ago to drop the negative folk. Um, so I don't have people who tell me I'm amazing all the time, but I have people who, ha who keep me grounded yep. and who want to see me do well. So my, my friends, my Facebook friends were like, oh my God, so proud of you. You know, we're really rooting for you. We think you can do it. And then when I put my results on, they were like, they were like, well, you, you'd do it anyway. <laughs> that's awesome. That's, so, that's a really cool way to use your social media because it's just then it's an extension of friends isn't it it just yeah. enables you to keep in contact with people that aren't maybe in your location or you're obviously yeah but you're right about social media and we see this a lot with the people that we work with that um one they have people on there that can be quite negative yeah. and two comparing themselves to things that really aren't real you know yes. people's false lives and then they think they're not good enough because they don't live up to those so You've got to be careful how you use social media, I, I think. But uh, I've learned to use it well, Matt. That's how I met you. It is. It is exactly how you met me. And I think I'm going to take a leaf from your book and start having a look at some of the people that, you know, because sometimes you can read your news feed and some posts and from some people can can have an effect on you. I certainly feel when I read some people's posts, some people I'm intrigued by, some yeah. I'm excited by and some I'm happy for and, and congratulating, but some really kind of get me and I think it's just because of the the empath in me that you know some people are negative um and not necessarily you know for a reason that I could genuinely help that person it can yeah. just be that that's their attitude towards what they want to post and as we said it's what you post is that is just down to you there's it no is. necessarily rules for it so it's just how that person wants to use it and if that's not congruent to what's going to serve me then you know, that's that's a reason to ch to change it, isn't it? Yeah. Um, Someone, sorry, introduced me to you. Yes. Who knows what I'm about on Facebook? Yes. And said to me, I know someone who I think will really get on with you, who you two will really click. Yeah. And she was absolutely right. So the first time we met, it was like I've known Matt forever. Um, I know it was. It absolutely was. Really good conversation, didn't we? Yeah, it's crazy, yeah. isn't it? It's crazy. We we probably could have talked the hind legs off of a very northern donkey. <laughs> I think he's he's quite clear. So. I just wanted to move back. So when you said about um, young people, so I'm cautious, well, I'm conscious, not cautious, that, you know, you've kind of introduced yourself. So what is the organisation that you founded that leads you to work with young people? Because I think that's the missing link that people listening right now won't know this. No, so I just assume everyone knows everything I know, about right? it. So um, our company is called Flourish Minds, Flourish Minds Limited. And I set it up in January 2020 which was really interesting because then the lockdown happened in March 2020. I was like, Very swiftly. oh dear. Um, so it's a social enterprise. And the reason that I did that was just going back to my work, loved my job, um, intended to be there forever, got to, to be to being a senior manager. We went through lots of change. My chief exec at the time introduced coaching to us as senior managers to help us through the change and for us to support our staff through the change. Brilliant. And then... 
I'm very, very, um, you know, forward-looking, um, mm. Steve Close, and um, the chief exec. And then, unfortunately, my husband got poorly, um, very, very poorly. So I left work, and after a while, he got better. And I thought, well, what am I going to do with my life? And I've always wanted to work with some people. I thought, I'm just going to set up my own company. You know, like you do, like, can't yeah, just on a whim, yep. Yeah, so I just set up this company. My first company is called Cruise Coaching Consultancy, a private company. Went around schools and went, listen, I love kids. I'm a qualified coach. I'd love to help your children be their absolute best. And it worked really well, um, did very, very well. But we found that a lot of the schools struggled to afford us. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't want money to get in the way of us helping yeah. children. So I decided to set up a social enterprise. Still didn't really know what one was, but I knew we could apply for public funding which meant that we could then go into schools for free, as far as the schools were concerned, yeah. while we still got paid, and help all these young people. So I just decided to go for it and give it a whirl. And two and a half years later, we're in a number of schools. We've managed to get about £80,000 in public money that we've wow. used to go into schools and coach children on a one-to-one. -one. And what we do is is help young people with issues around confidence, that thing around self-worth, helping them with low-level anxiety, helping them to realise their potential and yeah. how fabulous they are. And that's extended to working with students in universities, working with some teachers, working with parents. Yeah. It's just mushroomed into this fabulous thing. And I'm like, ah! <laughs> so really, even, even through adversity and through the lockdown and through everything that's happened in the last two almost three years now it's you know how have you managed to keep that motivation when obviously the world almost stopped in some ways how have you managed to what was it that drove you to keep to keep going and how did you manage to to grow it into what it is today well it's a good question is that because it's linked back very much to my own experience so some people talk about you know not being personal, you know, not bringing your personal stuff into, into business, but my business is built on my personal story. Yeah. So I don't want any child. When I left school, I thought I was rubbish. I was shy. I had no confidence. I thought I'm not clever and realized that that was a lie. And I don't want any child to go through that feeling of thinking they're not good enough. And in terms of what drives me, Matt, that's what drives me every single day. So even those days when I am tired, when I feel stressed, I think there's a child out there today that my company could help feel better about themselves. Yeah. And um, it turned out that when we started it in January 2020, during lockdown, it was the best time because that's when parents were struggling, yeah. children were struggling, and lots of the, the funding that was out there was to help people get through COVID and to support right. people through COVID. So yeah. it was like, I don't know if you believe in the universe, but for me, it was like, this was just meant to be. And it's just grown into this beautiful organization and it's still early doors. Um, you know, we've gone from just me to, I've now got eight associate coaches and, yeah. and um, I've got myself a PA as well, all through funding. So it's been fabulous. And that you know, it's it's such a, an incredible way to do things because you know the, the government do have, like you say, they have grants, they have funding for this use, and it's not always from experience myself doing various community things, but it's not always the easiest to find. But then once you do the opportunity, then it gives an organization like a school that maybe struggle with funding or they can't quite because another thing is 
is with Ofsted and the education system at the moment, it's not always geared towards the kind of emotional side of, of the child development of being at school. It's about the results side. So whereas yeah. this will have some effect on that, the budget isn't always there to be able to pay for it. So this gives an opportunity, doesn't it, to, to be able to go in and make a difference in a school where it would be a solid no otherwise. Yeah, it really does. And what we're finding more and more, which is really interesting, because, you know, we know that an unhappy child can't learn. Simple yeah. as. So schools are really seeing the impacts that we're making and how that's affecting children's um, social and emotional well-being, but also their academic attainment and linking the two. And so some of the schools that couldn't afford us before now are self-funding. So they are finding that when the big ones wow. out and we're like, we're going to have to go now. They're like, oh, no, we don't want you to go yet. So yeah. we've been in a school, one school for about three years now when we first got some funding. Um, and they have self-funded um, a number of times, as have a couple of other schools. So um, that link between feeling good about yourself and being able to learn, they—they—they are—it's it's essential. Um, and I think more people are recognising that now. We're really honest, um, Matt. When we go into schools, we say to teachers, "We're not going to be talking to the children about academia." Yeah. We're talking to the children about what do you love, what are your skills. What yeah. do you want to do with your life? And that's such... That, I mean, that, for me, that's incredibly powerful to hear. That's such an important point, isn't it? Because everything, all the memories, when I think back to school, everything is about results. And I've, you know, I know days when I didn't want to go to school, those days I did want to go to school, and different stages of growing up, your head's going through all sorts, you're learning who yeah. you are, you try to form your identity. Um and there's certain memories of school where things like this probably weren't available. Um, I can definitely say they weren't available. And I, you know, I didn't go to a particularly um, urban or school that was restricted financially or anything like that. So, you know, I was my school that I went to probably would have had it available had it have been there. But yeah, you know, you're almost you, there's almost that feeling of being pigeonholed. You are a student. We want all our students to look the same, to act the same, to behave the same. Um, and I can't believe how often I refer back to this, but the idea of this almost social domestication where school is one of the main factors on how you form your identity and who you believe, yeah. whether you believe that I suppose you're a good or a bad person. So you get rewarded for doing well, for setting yeah. to a, you know, sticking to a set of rules, for attending, for doing well in exams, you know, and you get reprimanded for not doing so. But there isn't, for me, there isn't enough ways to learn to suit everybody's learning style and where the passions are at and to, to be able to truly say whether someone's succeeding or not yeah and what we're finding is and you're absolutely right um more and more schools are recognizing exactly what you said that children don't fit into this pigeonhole and they're usually the schools that want us in um and ultimately although we don't start with academics ultimately it leads to that but what happens, yeah. Matt, and what makes a difference is the child makes that link. So, you know, I've had a young boy come to me and say, um, I say, right, what would you love to do in this world? And he's like, oh, miss, I want to be an astronaut. I'm like, oh, yeah. Nice. You know? and, and then he goes, miss, no, I don't think you heard me. I'm like, what do you mean? He went, I want to be an astronaut. I'm like, I heard you. I'm all, up, I'm, I'm, I'm all over it. Yeah. So what do we need to do to get you to be an astronaut? And then they will go, well, I probably need to get a bit better at science, miss. I probably need to get a bit better at math. I'm like, you probably do. Yeah. But they've made that link in their own head yes. rather than me saying it sucks now and it's GCSEs and you need to do this and you need to get this grade. It's very different when you empower them 
to kind of think for themselves. And that's the beauty of what we do. And that, you know, that links so well into coaching in general is the idea of it being a learning process for the person that's experiencing that that coaching, yeah. isn't it? Because it's so much more powerful when you realize something rather than when you're told something. Yeah. Um, but again, you know, schools are very heavily, or they were, especially from my experience, because that's what can go on. And it's very much learn this, learn that. This is what happened. Um, and you really leave with very little hunger to learn anything more than enough to tick the boxes. Mm-hmm. So it kind of, you know, so, I mean, I know I've got friends that went off to Oxford, Cambridge, Oxbridge, whatever, and various different universities, some that did really well, some that, you know, were happy and, and went to different universities, but some followed passions, but that really took somebody that was almost obsessed and had an interest in that subject rather than just natural curiosity. Yeah. Like you're saying to go, okay, so, and being goal-driven as well, I want to be an astronaut, whereas the response to that, that child probably thought you were going to laugh. Yeah. And you went, hang on, no, I'm down for that. So what do we need to do? Let's make a plan. Yeah. They go, oh, so now it's actually a plan because it's almost like that idea of if you could do any job in the world, what would it be? Let's dream. Let's dream. Well, no, it's not a dream. It's just setting a goal. Yeah. You know, and then, you know, you, you put your steps to it. And I'm sure, you know, I'm sure there are people that are astronauts that have come from a background that probably was restricted and they didn't know they could do it you yeah, know, look, sure, at, look sure. at your story as well yeah if you'd have said to me even 10 years ago yeah. that i'd have my own business too um coaching young people i'd be like matt come on mate never going to happen and and a lot of that is around having it's about having the right people around me yeah so you know the beautiful thing now is my ex-chief exec is now on my board um one because I recognize his skills and talents and two, because he invests and understands what we're doing. And two, he knows how I work. So he can really hold me to account. So I worked for him yes. 25 years. So I can't, get away with, I can't get away with anything. There's no hiding. <laughs> no hiding. So, you know, they do have to rein me in at times when I get overexcited about things, but it's all about accountability, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and ultimately we're talking about young people's lives. So it's serious stuff. Although we do have a lot of fun. Oh, well, I would imagine so. Um, you know, and I imagine the days that you're working with some of these young people as well is a day that they look forward to. Yeah. Well, it's a day I look forward to, without any doubt. They're my absolute best days. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely best days. So I would like to know then if there are... When, you, when you're working with kids, so we talk about in coaching, we talk about blockers, we talk about things that restrict us and that our belief systems maybe that restrict us and that we can pick them up from families, from friends, from our environment. Is there anything that recurs again and again that's kind of a, a, a common theme or a more regular theme across some of the people that you've worked with? That's holding them back? Yeah. Yeah. Um, the thing about confidence is a big one. Yeah. And, um, and that thing about self-esteem and believe in yourself because we get shot down don't we it, it, as parents I've done it without thinking certainly before I was a coach where no you can't do that come on Matt you know you can't do that or or you know just the language that we use sometimes don't be silly or um there's no way you can you you don't be an astronaut come on 
let you know you go and be a secretary i was told that when i said to, at school i wanted to be a teacher they said oh you need to go to secretarial college all that all right then um but i think it's that limiting themselves by their own thoughts but also yeah. by things that other people are telling them yeah. so when they get somebody like me and our coaches going you can be anything you want to be yeah. you're going to have to work hard yeah but we don't have any limits in here what you're going to get in here is encouragement you're going to get compassion you're going to get kindness you're going to have to you know think about being a bit more self-aware and um we're not softly softly coaches so we know oh poor matt the world's horrible we're like matt as the kids say to me, you know, we need to fix up. <laughs> so they do have to have some responsibility and some self-awareness. But the, the main blockers are just not believing in themselves yeah. and being told they're not good enough and believing they're not good enough and not being allowed to openly think creatively about who and what they want to be, where we love it all. There's nothing out of bounds in terms of who you want to be and where you want to be when you're with us. Yeah. It's almost, you know, for for parents and and I mean, I don't have any kids myself, but I've got friends that do have them, and sometimes, and as a scout leader myself, so I I speak to kids regularly. And, yeah. And there, there is language that we use that we've just picked up from either other people or again our upbringing as well. That and it, you know, and it feels natural to say, but it is quite limiting. But it's almost like there's a feeling that there's a responsibility to parents and people that kind of are leaders or, or essentially managers to these children. That being an extra point entirely, I think the difference between the leader and the manager, but um, almost a responsibility to have them believe stuff that's going to be attainable. So it's almost yeah. holding them away from failure. Yeah. And that, and that being a limitation itself. Um, it is. And do you know from my own experience, um, Matt, what that is, a lot of the time is because we parent from a place of fear. Yeah. We just want to protect our children all the time, which is not a bad thing. But what that can sometimes do is hold them in this little space where we think they're going to be safe um, rather than allowing them to fly. Because ultimately, having children is not about owning them, is it? It's about helping them to be ready for this big, wide world. Yeah. And what that means is as many opportunities as possible. But just to think things through. I've certainly changed as a parent from since becoming a coach, definitely. Um, but we talk very much to parents about language and to teachers about language. There's a difference between, Matt, what have you done that for? Yeah. And Matt, just tell me what you were thinking or how you were feeling when you did that. And tell me how you think you could do it differently next time. That's not taken much more time, but it's just a very different approach. Yeah. I've done. I've certainly done that, and I've realised myself doing that with the uh, with the cubs. So it's a cub group. So they're between eight and ten years old, and a lot of the time, the idea is, I don't know, I don't know why I did it. Yeah. You know, and and that's fine. But if you can get them to realise, I don't know, and then you know, you can make sure there's no you know intent to harm anyone else. Or because sometimes yeah. I've, we've got a lot of boys in our pack, and they could be quite you know quite physical and just yeah. rugby playing and just jumping on each other and. <laughs> <laughs> they, don't, they don't know it's just it's just almost like a natural, natural behavior yeah. yeah but again it's that asking why and then saying well does that fit in with the rules we've set as a you know as yeah. a does that because you've agreed those rules does that fit in with that and sometimes it can just be making them conscious of something that's unconscious definitely and just i think that thing about if you if you'd have done something differently how could that turn have turned out a little bit differently just to get them to think um and a lot of the times we go oh i never thought about that miss or 
I didn't realise I could do that, you know. So it is just about opening up their minds, really. Um, but of course, the kids are going to be boisterous and have fun and don't know why they're doing stuff. We used to, didn't we? Do you remember back a long time ago? Absolutely. Well, yeah. <laughs> it, every year it gets a longer time ago, doesn't it? <laughs> it's the problem with ageing. <laughs> we need to find that magical serum. We do. We stop ageing. We do. You know, it's it, it's fascinating when you first when you first told me about the the things that you do. How much do you think your kind of your experience of growing up? Now you mentioned a couple of examples of times when you know people's language towards you was very restrictive and very you know trying to put you in a pigeonhole, telling you about secretarial college rather than anything else. Do you think there's any part of that that Let me just find the words. There's so many words in my head, it's sometimes <laughs> hard to find the right one. Um, do you think there's any part of that that spurs you on more than more than any others? Is there any standout kind of thing that you remember as a as a child or a young person growing up that you go, that can never happen again? I will never have any of these kids go through that. There is actually, um, and one of the things is, um, so I was really good at English, still am actually, it was my favourite subject. So when I get a student that goes, oh, I don't like English, I'm like, what? Um, <laughs> not judging or anything. But yeah, I loved English and my English teacher used to mark my work down. And I don't want to make this a bit of a race thing, but I think it was. So I was the only black child in my class. I was in the top set. And my work used to get um, marked down. And I used to show it to my mum, who loved English. And she's like, what's going on here? I used to, I got obsessed. I'd compare it with other students. What did you get for that question? Yeah. Um, and I just don't think she liked me very much. And she, and to know that she stopped me doing my English GCSE. And when I've done my GCSE, I've got my certificate here. I've got an A. When I was, you know, 52 years old, when your brain's starting to, you know, I wasn't, it wasn't as clear and um, maybe as powerful as it was when I was 16. Yeah. At that age, I managed to get an A in English in just nine months, you know, studying studying five GCSEs. And that thing, it hurts me still um, to think that one person had such an impact on my life. And um, well, I talk to teachers now about the impact they can have on the, on the young people's life. And that's the thing that spurs me on. I want We just want every child. We're not saying every child has to be, you know, the next primary was the next prime minister we won't go there but, <laughs> um, we just want them to be their absolute best we want them to be happy with who they are and your best can be whatever it is it's just yeah. your best and when we talk to the children we say you know one of our things is i'm here to help you be your absolute best whatever you decide that is it, and that yeah. drives me it just drives me every day without any doubt but, you know, and, and we work with any children, so I don't want this to get out that we just work with black children, but we work with any children, any school, anywhere. We don't care where they are, what their background is. And when I say this, some people think it's a bit soppy, but we love every child that comes in front of us. And our whole purpose is to help them to love who they are and step into that world feeling good about themselves. And it's it's the idea of creating the best and most authentic version of you. Yeah, whatever which, that is. Well, yeah, whatever that is, and and actually, I think it's a good thing to point out that it's not easy, especially as an adult now. So I'm going through a a, a, 
part of life now where I'm trying to figure out who I am. Um, especially as we've said, if we've grown up with the situations where we've been very guided by, you know, family, familiar expectations or social yeah. expectations, um, education, and then you've got some kind of what you'd consider maybe old school attitudes on things. So there's still people around, and I think we're moving to generations now where things are becoming a bit more open. And of course, we've got several generations under us now, so it's only yeah. going to change from there if we're then the ones that are setting we're then the ones that are doing the guiding as opposed to, you know, what, what we've experienced before. It's not always simple to find out what it is you want. And it's almost looking at not what you do, but why you do it. Mm -hmm. It and is. That's, and that's a big question, isn't it? It is. And it's having that thing that drives you every day. So, you know, we have this thing called, you know, my why, my reason for doing what I'm doing. And I do not lose focus of that. You know, so I've got a vision board right in front of me and my why is in the middle of it and all my dreams and hopes and goals that I want to achieve are on it. I see that every single day all day in my office. Um, but it's, it's just, you know, not letting go of that. And I say to the children that we work with, I'm not particularly clever. I've just worked really hard mm. and um, I've had some good people around me. I've taken advice and... Um, and it's never too late. I'm 60 next year and I've only just started working for myself. Um, and even to hear when I say, when people ask me what I do and I say, oh, I'm chief executive of Flourish Minds. I'm like, that sounds really weird. <laughs> um, it does. And yeah. I've got a PA as well. I'm top of all of that. I've got my own PA, which is just amazing. But it's never too late. And if I can do it, honestly, Matt, I'm not particularly clever. If I can do it, there's no reason why any child on this earth can. And I know it's harder for some, because of their background. Yeah. But every child we've met has their own thing about what's holding them back, whether they're from a, a, a challenging situation or they're from very affluent families, they have still got their own challenges. Trust yeah. me. Yeah. Um, so we just we're just here to give them hope, really. And I know that all sounds a bit fluffy and all that stuff, but it's the truth. Do you know, you're right, it can and it will to some people sound fluffy. Now, hopefully not the kind of people that are listening right now, because otherwise this wouldn't be the kind of podcast for you, because I like fluffy, I like positive <laughs> and I like bright, which is, and I like superheroes, and I'm sat in space. You are sat in space, loud, so, you know, jealous, because I want to be in space. You can be in space, we can arrange yeah. it. That's fine, you can be an astronaut. Um, yeah. <laughs> but it's, yeah, it, it's fascinating, isn't it? Now, to slightly turn from the fluffy, I am interested on a point, though, and just going back to something you said about your experience. So without getting too political or too deep into something, do you still find or are there any signs of any discrimination between races in when you're working across the different schools? Are there any challenges based on that that you find or is the, you know, the approach through education kind of not how it would have been, how you described from your kind of upbringing? I'll give you an example of this happened. So I'm talking only two years ago. We had a mum and dad that came to see us about their son who was struggling at school and um, black family, young black boy uh, in year five. They were worried that his, his um, marks were deteriorating and they've been to the school to see his teacher and the teacher told the parents that the reason that was happening is because um, we don't expect 
young black boys to do very well in school. Oh, wow. And I'm talking only two years ago. Wow. So infuriating to put it in its mildest form. Okay. And that's not happening everywhere. No. You know, we some, see some schools, I'm in a school now where absolutely, you know, and I'm going to name it, Carmanna School, absolutely fantastic school. They use a lot of restorative language. They want everyone to succeed. Yeah. And I see that. Um, but yeah, you do still have some expectations of some of, particularly, you know, what did I say? In some, in some authorities, black students have been excluded from school five times more than their white counterparts. Now, what is going on there? Yes. Um, but we also see a lot of young um, working class white boys um, being excluded at a higher, you know, disproportionate rate. So we bear that in mind, but it's not our driving force. Yes. Ours is, we don't care who you are. Yeah. We're going to help you to excel. And when we say excel, we mean in terms of your goals and dreams and understanding that you are different and that's fantastic rather than I'm different and that's a problem. Yeah. Um, and it just so happens that a lot of the funding out there is, is aimed at, at, at young black kids. Right. Um, okay. So we're going to go for it. Absolutely. Um, and most of the funding that we have has been around that, but we are not an exclusive, yeah. um, you know, uh, organization. We work with any child. We, when people, we have been criticized for that. I'll be really honest. Um, I've heard people say, what about the white kids? Yeah. Um, what we've said is we work where the gaps are. So yeah. where there's a gap, we're going to fill it. And if it's black children, white children, we really don't care. But if there's a gap in terms of our children excelling to their absolute personal best, we're going to try and fill it. And that then is determined by what the governments and the local governments are determining the funding needs to go to. Because obviously the funding's there to help towards a mission, towards a purpose, to yeah. make change itself. And then obviously you're the, the bringer of the bringer of, of that change. The superhero. The superhero, like it. Yeah. Always like a good plug. <laughs> and the some of the funding isn't even isn't so much government funding, a lot of charities that are set okay. up specifically. Perfect. Um so yeah we tap into um a lot of them which is which is really good. Really and, good. And again it's you know there's not only that working so doing anything with a charity is amazing it makes you feel good doing something because a charity has, has identified there is a need is even more powerful isn't it because it's yeah. you know because those guys you know are run on again similarly there's no there's almost there's no feeling of any kind of big corporate entity with any agenda I think agenda's the word. It's it it's devoid of agenda. It is what have we seen? Evidence based. Let's fill yeah. a gap. Let's yeah. you know. Let's get some work done where we need it doing. Absolutely. And when we get these grants, it's not here's your money. You know, go do what you want. We've got to be accountable at the end of that grant period. Yep. We have to be very clear with the funders what we've done with that money, what yep. difference it's made, what impact we've had. And you know, we're working with an organisation now that's going to help us to really manage our impact and really hone in on the honing on the difference that we've made right. and you're right about the charity one of the funds that we've just won has been set up by the family of a woman a woman who died um but she'd come from india come from poverty became one of the youngest um people to head up a financial um organization in, in london wow right 
and um, had a real affinity with Bradford. And the whole um, purpose of that charity is to help young children in Bradford reach their potential. We bid for that and we won that money and we're working with young children in Bradford and we're going, this is real, this is someone real. I've brought her picture in. I've said, this is her husband. I've emailed her husband and said, this is what we're doing with this money that we've won for Brilliant. you. Thank you very much. And he's like over the moon. So that's made it so real. And we make it real for the kids. We make it real for the parents. We make it real for the teachers. Yeah. It's not just some cash that we've just got from, what's his face, Boris. You know, this is from a real life person. So we have to make sure we do well with this money. And it's just the most beautiful thing. Do you ever face any scepticism from not only the young people that you're working with when you introduce the idea of coaching? Because um, again, there's that notion of being fluffy when we talk yeah. about coaching and, and I, I face that quite a lot, but in terms of um, the, the parents or the schools, really, how? Yeah. We don't get so much scepticism, just not sure where it is. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and the kids go, when you say, like, are you like a diving coach? Are you like a tennis coach? And we go, it's similar. But what we work on is how you're feeling, your emotions, helping you to think uh, better about yourself. And they're like, ah, oh, that sort of coach. And we're like, yeah. So it's a bit of a lack of understanding, really, about yes. what we do. And the other thing is, you will know, Matt, um, the coaching industry isn't regulated. So anybody can set themselves up as a coach. Um, and we're very clear that all the coaches that work with us are, are you know, they've gone through training and they're qualified coaches. So there are some coaches that don't do the industry well in terms of how they operate. Yeah. But yeah, once they, the thing for us is once we get in and once they see the difference, yeah. that's what they're like, right, we'll get it. Yes. We so it's it. proof is in the pudding. We get it. Yeah. Proof is in pudding. And I like pudding. Yeah. I, I, who doesn't like pudding? And if you don't, <laughs> send it to me because I really like pudding. <laughs> it's interesting you said about the, so the coaching, I think it's a really good analogy to use. And, and when you have a swimming coach, they are there to support you. Their only wish is for you to get better at swimming. Yeah. The same as a running coach, the same as any kind of coach when you put it to a sport or you put it to a physical event. And what we're saying is take that premise, that person that's only focusing on you, that their only intention is for you to improve and to learn and to find stuff out about yourself. But it's not a sport, it's you. Yeah, it is. And the, the life coaching stuff has come from sports coaching. Mm. Um, there's a particular book, I can't remember what it's called, but it was around tennis coaching. And the, and the coach realised that if they kept saying to Matt, just swing that bat, that tennis racket, you know, harder or higher, that that was okay. But if he said to Matt, right, I'm going to help you be the absolute best you can be. And I want you to visualize mm. how you're going to hit that ball. And I want you to visualize where you're going to hit it. And I want you to think about that just before you start. It's like you saying, Bolt, you know, he sees himself winning every time he goes for a uh -huh. race. He doesn't think I'm going to go this race. I might win. I'll just see how it goes. I'll be kind of good. He's like, I'm going to win. And it's about that mindset thing. And that's what we focus on as, as life coaches. Yeah. Do you know what that ten that tennis story rings a bell? I have yeah. and there's one name that's going through my head, it's Andre Agassi. Yeah. I think that was his approach when he came on. I might be wrong, and if I am wrong and someone else does know the answer, please message me. But um, that idea of it's not just throwing a ball, hit the ball, it's knowing where the final final destination is, it's almost almost the idea of manifesting it because you yeah. create you then create the movement needed and i say that about manifestation because i'm still i'm still learning a lot more about it you know yeah. that idea of fluffy but i'm still learning more about it but 
instead of it just being an action, you are creating the necessary actions to get the ball to that designated spot that you've already decided it's going to. So you're yeah. allowing yourself to automatically do that process yeah. rather than just hitting it and see where it goes. Yeah. If you start your day and go, I hope I have a good day, you might, you might not. If you start your day and go, today, this is what I want to achieve and I'm going to write it down and I'm going to set myself a goal and I'm just going to see how I go with this, but I'm going to really put it in my head that I want to do my absolute best. I'm telling you that that latter day will be better than that first day where you thought, I'm just going to see how today goes. And it is, it's all about that. The thing about manifestation, that is fluffy. But I think where people get it wrong, right, is when they go, I'm going to have a good day and I'm just going to manifest it. And I'm like, it needs to come with action. Yes. It has to come with action. Yes. But if you sit and think, I'm going to manifest £10,000 in my bank account by tomorrow. It ain't ever going to happen. Not without action, no. <laughs> but if you get a plan together, yeah, because manifesting is really just getting it into your head and then you just need a, a, an action point to go with it. Yes. Because we would all... be realistic as well. Yeah, I mean, we'd all just love to be able to do that and just magic up stuff, wouldn't we? Yeah. But, it, but yeah, again, it's, like you said, it, it's that idea of... Right, okay, so I now know what I want. How do I get it? You know, yeah. how do I go? And it just opens you to, rather than sometimes we can be in a mood where we almost put blinkers on and we don't see the other opportunities out there. And then once you open it up and you you do go through that process, you can then see there's other options. And I've, you know, I've done that for, for from recent experience. It's so, it can sometimes be a financial thing, right? I need, like we said, the 10,000. So I need a certain amount of money to, to enable me to be able to do something. And then all of a sudden you go, why didn't I think of this before? Yeah. You know, and it couldn't be something that was so obvious, but you just hadn't, you'd never considered it. Yeah. You know, um, you know, and we are very complicated beings, humans. Our minds and brains are exceptional in what they do, um, but we're still learning. And I think that's yeah. amazing. Thousands and thousands of years later, we're still learning. We haven't cracked it yet. I know. Um, it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. The mind's a very, very powerful thing. Yeah. Our minds are very, very powerful. You know, your, your mind and your thoughts, they can either imprison you or they can help you to kind of just excel and flourish. It just depends where, you know, where you're going with it. And even as a coach, I, I still work on my mindset every day. And as yes. a coach, I have a coach. I had a, a session with my coach the other day and she was doing what I do to everybody else and it really annoyed me. Um, but really challenged me to have a look mm. at myself and what I was doing, why I was doing it. And just the best thing, really. Yeah, even more fluffy than manifestation. You see, I believe in the universe giving us opportunities to do stuff. There's fluffy for you. <laughs> no, I mean that real. That could be yeah, that could be a little bit fluffy, but the idea that who has it said every action has an equal and opposite reaction, and there are there are physical things that if you put something out there, then it it will return. Now, the method of it returning is that's what's up for debate, isn't it? It's either <laughs> the universe being like a boomerang and it coming back to you or the fact that actually you're more aware of. So say you help, you help an old person cross the road, okay? And then all of a sudden you realise later on that somebody has let you out in traffic. I mean, two of the most terrible, terrible examples ever, but it's just to prove a point that if you hadn't have done that, then you might not have noticed that person let you out later on because you were just yeah. in a place of being able to accept gratitude and to be able to give gratitude. So, for example, you know, we, you know, because these are the things that we can just take for granted or we can just not see. Yeah. 
Um, I mean, the way that I think about the universe and what it offers is, I think when we open our minds to say, do you know what, today, um, I'd, I'd love this to happen in my business. I'd love us to, do, to be doing this in, in a month's time. Somehow, opportunities fall into my lap that allow that to happen. Yes. And I don't know if it's because you, you, you become more aware of what you want, I think, and you see more, rather than just um, like a robot going through life. But if you think, you know what, tomorrow, I want or next week, next month, I want to have two more brand new associates in my organisation. You, st you start to think about how you can do that, don't you? Yeah. And you start to see things and people come into your life and you think, oh, this is a coincidence. Yes. That yes. for me is the universe. It is a bit weird. It's, you know, the universe, or could we describe it as your universe? It's the universe that you are in, as opposed to the universe. So it's, you know, it's then forms part of what you see every day, doesn't it? Yeah. As a person that lives to serve, and I know because you are so passionate about what you do, okay, and you've said that actually, even on days when you're not feeling great, that actually the drive to still know that you could affect in a positive way some a young person's life today do you find it easy or simple or regular to actually recharge those batteries because there's got to be energy's got to come from somewhere right to be able to do yeah. that you can't do it forever and not recoup no. any of that can you no well you'll like this i've always been into exercise from the age of 18 mm -hmm. so for the last 40 years of my life i've exercised and for me, that's where my energy comes from. So when I'm exercising, obviously I'm focusing on, on the exercise, but I'm also, it like does something to my head. And I have some great thoughts when I'm exercising. And the other thing for me is walking and I love nature. Yeah. So just walking around, that's where I get some of my great ideas as well. Um, but taking time out is really, really important. Don't get me wrong. Sometimes I have to be told to do that. I'm not going to lie. Um, but I know when I need to. And the other thing is, when I don't, my body just does it for me anyway. Like, I got really ill a few yeah. months ago, and I think it was my body saying, we told you you needed to, to, to rest. Yeah, you didn't listen. listen. So now we're going to knock you off your feet. All right, then. <laughs> and I was in bed for about two and a half weeks. Um, but, yeah, that thing about, you know, recharging yourself is really important. I journal a lot, so I like to write a lot, um, and I read really inspirational stuff. I definitely take time out, without a doubt, without feeling guilty as well. That's the, that's another thing. Has that always been the case? For me, yeah, I've usually felt a bit guilty. Yeah. Oh God, I'm out at the gym when I've got all these emails to answer, and I've got oh, I'm going to go for a walk when there's all this stuff on my desk, and I'm like, what did they say, uh, Matt? You can't pour from an empty cup. You certainly can't, and I share those thoughts for you it is incredibly difficult when you feel like there's either a to-do list as long as your leg or actually sometimes that to-do list isn't a to-do list i don't know whether you found this sometimes in the role that we're kind of in sometimes you create your own to-do list yeah so, so do you know when you're when you're employed sometimes yeah. somebody people give you a job so that adds to your to-do list so then you go through them and that can add on it can pile on all that stress but your to-do list when you are self-employed or have a business can very much be driven by you. So all of a sudden you put your own pressure on it. It's not until you realize that, hang on a minute, I've set myself a task to do this. Yeah. Nobody else. So therefore I need to be in a position where I can do this 
So if I carry on putting the pressure on to do all these things and it makes me unwell or it makes me tired or I can't do it effectively, then what's the point? Yeah. And it's almost like having a conversation with yourself, isn't it? It is. Yeah. And my, my to-do lists have been really unrealistic. Like I've got this long... What I've started to do now is to try to time things on my to-do list and yeah. realise that I can only probably do about three things on that list rather than the 20 that's on it in one day. There's a really good book called The One Thing. Um, and it talks about just focusing on that one thing today that's going to make a difference in your life. Yes. That one thing that's going to take you nearer to your goal. Yes. And so sometimes what I started doing is thinking, if I do this, does that take me nearer to my goal or further away from my goal? It takes me further away, I ain't going to do it. It takes me a bit nearer, and I will do it. But putting, trying to put some time to the things that are on my list really brings home reality because I realise that ain't going to get done today, or even tomorrow, it might be next week. And sometimes now, it just needs delegating, which is exactly. why I've got a PA, right? Yeah, yeah, she's amazing. Mm. Um, so, yeah, she's, she's massively helped. She's, she's one of those PAs when you go, um, oh, Laura, I'm just, I just need to do so-and-so. I'm thinking I need to, and she's like, oh, I did that yesterday. I'm like, oh, you're amazing. She's well, like, you're not having a no. No, I, I was not going to say that. What I was going to say, though, is when you <laughs> sent me through an email, you sent me through your headshot. And then yeah. the next day, Laura also sent it through to me. So I was like, super efficient, but you got there first. Oh, there you go, you see. Super efficient, superhero. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love that. Um, okay, so we've got, um, we've got a tradition um on this podcast because oh. it is superhero finder um putting you on the spot if you could have any superpower and you can create the superpower okay if you could have any superpower what would you have and what would you use it for if i could have a superpower if i could have a superpower i'd like to be able to read people's thoughts Oh, so I've had a couple of people say definitely not read people's thoughts. Isn't it interesting? So what would you, well, why and what would you use it for? Because I think if you could read people's thoughts, um, well, one, I'd know whether they'll be honest with me or not. Oh, we're entering minority report territory here, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> so when you say something, I go, actually, Matt, I know you're lying. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> yeah, let, let's start again, Matt. Um, but I, I wonder if I could read, read people's thoughts, if it would help me to understand more about why they're holding themselves back. So from a from a professional, from a yeah, yeah, special application. I am also a little bit a bit nosy, but but from a professional um, point of view, I think it would help me to understand where these thoughts have come from and actually what's going on in here. Because when you ask a question, things go through your mind through yeah. the, the person that's been asked, don't they? Yeah. Okay, because we've oh, identified. Hang on. This isn't oh, about sorry. me. I've got I've got no, to be fair, I would I've always said I want to fly. I'm yeah. scared of heights, but I would love to be able to fly. I'd be able to get anywhere within, you know, a few seconds. But trying to deflect. I saw what you did there. Sorry. Personally. Would that be the same one then? So I take you out of your profession. You're at home. You're a parent. You're a person. Um, you're a, an exercise enthusiast. Would it be the same uh, power? Um, I'd probably like to be invisible. Ooh. Why? I could sneak on people. 
there's a there's a little feeling of being devious here, Karen. I don't know what's going on. Where have we gone with this? I don't know. Would be fun would though. Be to, would it be good to be invisible? I don't know. It's an interesting one, isn't it? Flying's also good. I hate flying though. I know. If I could get somewhere really quickly without flying. Oh, like the flash, fast. like running really fast, yeah. just being able to travel just, super fast. Just be there. Like I want to go to Portugal. Bam, I'm here. That. Oh, do you know what? If I'm going to go deeper on that one, I think, and actually with the flying as well, I think being able to do that so easily would take out the fact that you can go amazing places. All those places would just become, eh, I can get there. I can do that. You think? Do you know, like the idea if you lived in a holiday destination, would it still feel like a holiday? I wouldn't want to live there. I'd be going everywhere. Yeah, well, yeah. So I wouldn't lose interest. Okay. No, because I think if you're there for too long, it doesn't become a holiday. Okay. So my brother lives in St. Lucia. When we went over there, and he lives near the beach, when we went over there, every single, we were there for two weeks, every single day when he said to us, what do you want to do? We went, beach. It's like, right, tomorrow, what do you want to do? And we're like, beach. For him, he just takes the beach for granted. It's there, he yeah, had yeah, it, of yeah. course. Um, but for us, it was like, beach, 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 beach. So now I, I won't want to. I'd like to just go all over the place, but just get there really quickly. Just get there quickly to skip yeah. the whole airport thing. The whole plane thing. No, no airport, no plane. Just get there. So you're also running across water. Then that's impressive. <laughs> Treading water. Just call me Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> and on that strange note, yeah. <laughs> um, if there is one thing that is important for you to get across to anyone that's listening to this today and, and about the work that you do maybe or it might be coming from you and kind of what you're passionate about is there any one thing that is important for you to get out right now as a message that i think the message i would give is do not hold yourself back don't be fearful of trying things and it's never ever ever too late that's three messages i'm sorry i'm being greedy but just um, fear is, is fear and doubt and like things that can just kill your dreams. But, I, you know, my thing is just really push yourself to be your best and don't give up. Don't give up. Very astute. I love them. Super powerful. Um, and if anyone would like to find out more about yourself or maybe what you do at Flourish Minds, how can they do so? So we have got like the best website ever, just saying. Um, so that's www.flourishminds.co.uk. Uh, if you just Google Flourish Minds, we come up. Yeah. Um, if they want to get in touch with me, it's karen at flourishminds.co.uk. Um, how else can you get in touch with me? They're the main ones, really. Yeah. Drop me an email, check out our website. Wonderful. Send me a message. You know, we do, um, we have introductory conversations with people. So you can have a 15 minute conversation with me for, for now. But it's never 15 minutes because I talk forever. So it's always, always longer. Um, <laughs> but yeah, just get in touch. Absolutely nothing to lose and loads to gain. I love that. I love that. And of course, anyone that is listening, you will know it's on the screen just beside me. I'm, I'm mirrored, so I'm pointing at the wrong thing. So my website is www.imdoingitfor.com me and that's got everything that i do as well including other episodes of this podcast as well as youtube stuff um even back when the youtube stuff that I was doing was super cringe and the old <laughs> podcast episodes are super cringe uh, but it was locked down and there was a lot of strange things going on so it was important just to get 
a voice out there. But thank you very much for your time, Karen. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. I've, I've really enjoyed it. Good. That is the entire intention. And thank you, everybody, for listening to this point. And I will see you next episode. <laughs>